0: boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. you're a little older than me, my friends, you may remember a particularly cool pair of sunglasses that was famous for using NASA satellite technology in their lenses and for being the first real active wear sunglasses in the 80s. I'm talking about Revo sunglasses, if you're old enough to remember this. And they're back and they're better than ever. Our guest today is Cliff Robinson, CEO of Revo. And Cliff has fashion in his blood. You see, he was born into it. His family's nearly century-old business designs, manufactures, sells, and distributes high-quality designer brand eyewear right from my home state of Illinois. So today, we're we're going to discuss that journey from an old-school family business licensing other people's names to becoming a brand owner, and not just any brand owner, like a big deal brand, and the learnings that come along with this shift in business strategy. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, Check nasty. Cliff Robinson. Thank you for joining us. Thank How you, you doing?
1: Kurt. And you, uh, you already started out making me sound old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't say like you personally were a century old and were inventing Revo sunglasses. I have a pair. They're really good. They live up to the hype.
1: Thank you. We try. We really do try.
0: I noticed where I was like, walking around my neighborhood, I was like, wow, these driveways look darker and better and different. And it was, it was the polarizing technology that kills glare. Quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah. We, um, we, we work with an influencer health health, famous health person, um, Peloton instructor. And when, when we, when we started our partnership with her, she came up with this concept and called it the nerd alert. And the nerd alert is whenever we're talking about our technology that like, we don't really explain all the science, but they, our sunglasses just are better. And that's what makes them so unique is, you know, they're just better, so we call it the nerdler.
0: Well, it's true; they are. They're they're really good. Um, so let's let's start <clears throat> at the beginning. Sure. Tell me about this this family business pre Revo.
1: My grandfather, very classic immigrant turned entrepreneurial story. Uh, my grandfather came to the United States from Russia back in the nineteen twenties. He was escaping religious persecution and pogroms that were going on in Russia back in the 1920s, before World War II, before the Holocaust, we're a Jewish family. And he arrived, classic immigrant story, with literally nothing, and he got a job, literally standing behind a push cart, selling optical frames. At the time, the manufacturer came up with this brilliant idea of, we're gonna take all of these people that run our push carts and our representatives for hours, and we're gonna put them in business and we're gonna make them a territory. And so my grandfather was given New York City as the territory. And so overnight, he went from being a salesperson with a push cart to all of a sudden having a company, which he didn't know what he was doing, I assume, um, and became an agent for a manufacturer. And he now had to buy product from this manufacturer and then sell that product to optical stores. And this was 1926, the year, our company was started and that evolved over time to be, he started and was given the New York City territory and he did such a good job that he then got New York State and then he got New Jersey and then Connecticut. Over time, it became a regional distribution company and then became a national distribution company. And so as, as you were saying, Kurt, you know, we were very fortunate and humbled and honored about five years ago to be able to acquire the Revo brand name from another company in our industry. And once again, morph our almost hundred year old business to now be a brand owner and a brand steward, as opposed to a renter of other people's names. We went from distribut- distributor of someone else's product to licensee of someone else's product to now owning our own destiny and making our own product Under the name Revo.
0: And so, around when did you get involved in the day to day of the Robinson manufacturing business?
1: Yeah. So, I, um, as we said earlier, I'm of a certain age. I graduated college in 1992. My dad said, Come work with me for the summer before your job starts. So, here we are, 30 years later.
0: And so, by that, by 1992, you're like fully in. Uh, licensing these designer brand names, like these big recognizable household names and doing the manufacturing. And that sounds like a really good business to me. Obviously, like something changes here. What was the writing on on the wall? What did you not like about the licensing businesses?
1: Without getting too, too technical, we are a smaller to mid-sized family business. And in the world of licensing, you know, two or three things are important. The first thing that's important is sort of longevity And, you know, security, if you will, of the license that you're working with, because it takes time to build a brand. It takes time to build a business. And if you're working with a designer, you sort of need five or 10 years to really develop the product and develop the business. You don't want to churn, you know, brands and licenses every two to three years. So one of the things that's key to licensing is security and stability. The other thing that has happened over the last 20 years in really most industries is, you know, what I'll call muscle market market penetration, market strength. And for us as a smaller mid-sized family business, we found that over you know, a five, 10, 15 year period, there were a number of very large global conglomerates in our industry that just were way larger than us, You know, think the 80 pound gorilla. And when you have very large conglomerates fighting it out for the most prestigious licenses and partners with brand names, companies of my size Either have the option to partner with, you know, let's be honest, B-level brand names, which are not as good as A-brands, or we partner with up-and-coming brands that aren't quite A brands yet. And in the case of B brands, they're B brands. You know, that's not necessarily a great business model. And in the case of up-and-coming brands that, you know, you hope become your A brand in your portfolio, as those brands become A-brands, they then look to larger companies than mine to continue to expand their distribution. So, you know, we would partner with brand X and we would grow their brand to let's say from zero to $10 million. And we'd say that's a pretty good business, a larger company. And you mentioned a company like Luxottica and I'll use them as an example. You know, they would see the B. Robinson business and be like, huh, if they can do $10 million with that brand, we can do $50 million with that brand. We should go after it. And all of a sudden, going back to what I mentioned with stability and security, you know that brand that we had partnered with and nurtured and tried to build, leaves our stable of brands. And then we have to start all over again. And so for us, given where we stood in the industry, licensing became a unsustainable churning of businesses rather than a stable, successful business model. And we knew that we needed to own our own destiny and control our own brand, which is very different than renting somebody else's property.
0: Like you're doing the all of the product development work, but you are yeah. at their mercy. I would imagine you are paying for the privilege here.
1: Yeah, so the way licensing works is, as you said, Kurt, we would do the product development in consultation with this brand or designer name, if you will. We would then manufacture the product and then we would piggyback off of their marketing and we would sell the product into our channel of trade, whether that be sunglass stores, optical stores, specialty stores. At the worst case, we're at their mercy. And at the best case, we are really only as good as they are good in terms of their marketing and their brand penetration, either on a national or global scale. So while we controlled a piece of the business, we were never in full control of the entire you know, lifespan of the business cycle if you will.
0: And so and you the other big limitation there versus like owning the brand, you really can't sell direct, you can't sell online, you have to sell wholesale.
1: Correct. Online most brands and things are changing over time, it's fluid, but in general, most brands control their direct to consumer marketing, sales, communication, etc. and a licensee generally speaking is allowed to, and contractually told, to sell within a traditional brick-and-mortar environment.
0: So you knew, I mean, you had tremendous experience here, like 30 years minimum, doing the licensing and recognizing that you're stuck on just this continuous rat race with building these brands, losing them, and then Gain. over again. It had, it had to have like a, a portfolio to keep it going and constantly it and then like you're going through all this effort uh and there's a, just a lot of limitations like you start to feel handcuffed by it especially as the environment changes where you see like more and more manufacturers going direct to consumer and so what's the event Yeah, you know, was there like a single event where you went like man screw this we we got to get our own brand yeah, there were
1: there were sort of two events that happened over a couple of years period, um, both with similar stories. Our key brand in our portfolio, um, and this happened twice. You know, basically came to us and said, you know, look, Cliff, look, B. Robinson, we really love what you're doing. You're a wonderful company. We've just gotten bigger than you are, and you know, we have an opportunity to move up the food chain, so to speak. Um, and you know, as I said earlier in my example. You know, whether it was a 10, 15, 20 million dollar business at wholesale, you know, they said, we have an opportunity to grow that to 50, and it's not with you. And, you know, you could do that so many times, but two in a row in a short time period, you know, everybody out here do the math take two 10 million dollar wholesale brands and you lose them in a 24 month period. That's scary. Far from that. Um, And that's really what happened with us is we lost two large brands within our portfolio and really didn't have anything out there that was viable to replace them. And so it led to a very, you know, tough period for us as a company where our business was far lower than it was. You know, we had to really watch expenses, cut back, do all the things you have to do just to keep the lights on and stay in business. And while we were already moving in the direction of controlling our own destiny, and not relying solely on the licensing business, um, you know, it's sped up a lot faster than it should have. And we had to really pivot far faster than we were prepared for. You know, we expected to have a softer landing and always have licensing as part of our business. And some things just don't work out in life the way you plan.
0: And it, hindsight being 2020, things seem to have worked out pretty well. But, you know, often through those those unexpected challenges uh, creates urgency and motivation. So how do you go from, you know, at that point you go, all right, we know our plan was we have to own our destiny here. Yeah. Now it's been accelerated. It's one thing to say we got to build a brand or acquire a brand. What what was that discussion like? Were you like, we're going to build one or acquire one?
1: You know, we kept all options on the table. Um, We were in the process of building one, which frankly didn't work out quite that well. We had bought a smaller brand, which also didn't work out quite that well. Um, So lesson for all of you out there, you know, don't let your ego get in the way because, you know, we thought we knew what we were doing and we really didn't. We were a licensing company at the time. And so our first two stabs at controlling our own destiny were utter failures. We bought a small brand. We started our own brand. They didn't work. And oftentimes in life, and here's a good lesson for everybody, you know, dumb luck is what kicks in. And while we were going through these discussions of, well, what's the next brand we're going to buy, because now we'll do it right. And what's the next brand we're going to start, because now we'll do it right. You know, or should we sign another license just to, you know, get us through this period? You know, I get a call from a friend who says, would you be interested in buying Revo?
0: Serendipity. Just kind of
1: being in the right place at the right time, having enough contacts in the industry that, you know, you get a call one day that can change their trajectory of what is almost a hundred-year-old business and put it in a new phase.
0: Had you put feelers out there? Had you been talking about this with colleagues? Were they, you know, your network was aware we you were looking? we definitely been
1: talking about it. You know, there were feelers out there. You know, people who I knew knew that we were looking for, as I'll say in air quotes, something. But this one was just random out of the blue. A guy that we had never actually worked with, um, but I'd known for a while, just sort of called and said, I have a great opportunity for you.
0: Yeah, because I was wondering about that, you know, you've got like these licensing deals that are lucrative, but keep disappearing on you. Um, And then you you acquire a brand and try and start a brand. It doesn't quite go the way you want. And then you have this opportunity to buy Revo. But I would imagine that is not an inexpensive proposition, right? It's this big established brand with a lot of uh, assets and, and history here.
1: I brought together, you know, myself and three private investor partners because it was a sizable transaction. It was very, it was a big deal for us as a family business. You know, you've all heard the expression, you know, bet the ranch. Um, I was not in my family, was not ready to bet the ranch a hundred percent. And so we, you know, we bet part of the ranch and we brought in, as I said, three other private investors who we've now partnered together. And there are five of us on our board and five of us who, you know, are the stewards of the brand. I'm of course the CEO, but you know, we are a group and a board and a tight knit group that you know, owns this brand together.
0: This episode was brought to you by the team at Rewind, a trusted Shopify app since 2015. If you're a Shopify partner, join leading agencies like Milk Bottle Labs, Velstar, and Mac Digital Designs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program. You can earn up to $2,000 for recommending Rewind to your clients. And you can rest easy knowing that the hard work you've done for your clients is protected. If you're a merchant, feel confident and enjoy peace of mind that your store is always safe with automated backups. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Learn more. About by looking up Rewind in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. So there's, well, there's another thing. I mean, this is a 100-year-old family business now has private investors aboard to be responsible to. What, what's, what's that transition look like? Certainly, I don't think it could have been easy or maybe it was exciting.
1: Look, the the buying of a brand and the, you know, relaunching a brand to the market, which I'm sure we'll get to in the next couple minutes, that's not easy. One always thinks it's easier than it is, you know. But I can also say I'm super fortunate from the finance side that, um, you know, I'm not taking credit for this, but I chose well. Um, I, again, will state it's it's three other private investors. Um, so it's not private equity money. It's not like a public fund. Um and these were people that I knew previously I had a history with, there was a trust factor. And so, you know, look, we'll have our arguments and we'll, you know, certainly have our disagreements. Um, but in general, it's a very good positive working relationship where, you know, I think the, the board dynamic and infrastructure both makes me better and makes our company better. Whereas the old board structure was me, my sister and my dad sitting around the table and fighting it out. And the loudest voice won. Um, And today it's, let's just say it's a little more, it's a little more normal than that.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So it sounds like positive changes overall. And so this Revo opportunity is is dropped into your lap. Absolute serendipity. You're thrilled. Raise the money to get it. Why Revo? Why choose this brand?
1: Well, there's the quick sarcastic answer, which is, you know, they called me
0: and it was available.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the real and more serious answer is, you know, we've mentioned before, I've been in the industry for 30 years. Um, Revo, which started in 1985, quickly became sort of the gold standard of somewhere in our business. Like it was the thing back in the 80s and 90s. You know, people worked two jobs to be able to buy one of these sunglasses and, you know, many athletes. And, you know, at the time, what would it be an influencer today, you know, wore this product. And for me in the industry, as I said, it was the gold standard. There was nothing better. It was new. It was with NASA technology, as you said. You know, they were the best lenses out there. Um, and I could never buy one because, you know, I would say to my parents, like, you know, I want to go buy some Revo's. And they're like, you can't buy Revo. Like, we're in the industry. Like, you have to wear <laughs> our product. I'm like, do I want to wear Revo? Of course. Um, so, you know, I'd always admired it from afar.
0: So you acquire Revo. At this point, you, you've you had two two rough starts going Direct to consumer with a a brand you tried to start and a brand a small brand you acquired. Now we've got the big boy, Revo. What's the first thing you do? Like, what's that first hundred days look like?
1: I'll go back to the, before the hundred days. Um, I called probably a hundred people in the industry who I consider friends or trustworthy, and I said, "Hey, you know, confidentially, we're thinking about buying Revo. You know, I'm super excited. You know, what do you think?" And I would say 100 out of 100 said, oh, my God, you have to do that. It's the best brand out there. You know, as soon as it's done, call me and I'll make sure to put it in my store. So I'm thinking this is going to be easy on day one, because you asked about the first 100 days, my day one plan was call 100 people, tell them it's the deal's done, you know, contract is signed. What's your order? That was day one. And then day two, we were going to work on marketing. We were going to obviously we had to launch a website and we had to do all the things that one does in terms of brand brand awareness and brand exposure. But you know, a funny thing happened on the way to day 1 or day 2, which is I called those 100 people, and all of a sudden it went from god, I love Revo, call me, I'll put it right in to god, Cliff, that's amazing, good for you. I'm really rooting for you. But no one's really asking for Revo anymore. You know, good oh, luck, no good luck. And let's see what happens in 6 months or a year. So my day 2 <laughs> looked very different from what I expected my day 2 to be. Because day two, instead of servicing customers that were going to buy this brand and sending my sales force out there to just open more doors, because I thought it would be that easy, you know, day two quickly became, wow, you know, we got to make sure that the consumer is interested in Revo again, and that there's, you know, new awareness and new exposure. And so, you know, day two to day 100 was really, we got to launch a website that is consumer friendly and super cool. We got to make sure people see it. We've got to meet some ambassadors and athletes who want to wear Revo and give us more exposure. And oh, by the way, a little fun fact about Revo, we don't pay our athletes. We want people to wear our product because they want to wear our product. We feel that's a lot more organic and authentic. Um, it's also harder. Um, but you know, we got the job done. We found and partnered with a number of athletes and celebrities and influencers who were like, yeah, I love Revo. I remember it from back in the day. And I'd love to be a part of this. Um, And so that's really what day two to day 100 was is, you know, how do we bring this brand back to the consumer so that retailer who I called on day one will say, okay, now I'm ready to bring it in. Um, And here we are four years later from day 100. And, you know, while our business has grown and everything is really exciting and fun, you know, I can definitely say I have a lot more battle scars than I expected. And, you know, the rock that I was going to push up that, you know, nice, easy hill was a lot larger, a lot heavier, and the hill was a lot steeper than I ever anticipated.
0: So the immediate early strategy is we need a great website, and you've got a just killer Shopify store. Um, It's even got a – you could do a virtual try-on with the sunglasses. It's really good. I encourage encourage people to uh, try shopping Uh, Revo.com. And so we we build the site, but then you also, when I'm going through the site, you see all these celebrities. I saw Danica Patrick on there. Bono gets referenced, like some serious names. How do you find these people?
1: (laughs) You know, very similar to how we came to Revo. Like, you know, it's all about connections and who you know and being a nice person and being honest and having a good reputation. Um, You know, Danica Patrick, someone knew someone she's famous for wearing sunglasses we thought she should have the best we sent her some samples and she fell in love it was literally that simple um you know bono is another great example of you know everybody thinks bono wears sunglasses all the time cuz he's this super amazing rock star well it turns out bono suffers from a degenerative eye disease and you know he's been public about this so there's no secret and he has said look you know i'm bono i have plenty of money i will be okay but there are a lot of people out there who won't be okay, who don't have the resources I have, um, and so Bono was actually, you know, looking to do something in this space, um, and someone knew someone, and he and I, and others, sort of hit it off from a personal standpoint, and we really <clears throat> saw his vision—no pun intended—of, you know, making this a charitable effort, and so the partnership with Bono was literally, and to his credit, you know, we've said this publicly. He did not take $1 from the entire partnership that we had with Bono. All of the money went to charity. And I'm very proud to say that, you know, we were able to impact the lives of 50 million people to help prevent their blindness that was coming on. And so with Bono, it was literally, he was looking to do something cause-oriented. Someone knew someone, we hit it off, and we were very, not only willing, but eager to help execute what he wanted to do Which was impact people who really you know needed some assistance along the way um and we're very proud to say again we impacted the lives of 50 million people in our partnership with Bonham. you know fast forward from there you know we've worked we currently work with bear grills who's a very famous outdoor adventurer we work with Bodie miller who's arguably you know the most famous american male skier of our time um and we work with annika sorenstone who's arguably you know the, the greatest most famous female golfer of all time globally. And we work with all these people, you know, again, I'm sure they'd have a similar story, but they really like the product. They're at a point in their career where they get to choose. Um, You know, they don't have to take the biggest check and I'll be clear, we don't write the biggest check. We don't really write a check at all. Um, And they choose to work with us because they love what we do and it works for them in their day job. And, you know, athletes at that level, it's all about the product performing for them not necessarily about getting a big check from somebody else.
0: So the critical component here is your product has to be the best, and that's what it sounds like is happening.
1: You know, there's there's a common theme here, and I'm sure my competitors would come on your show and say theirs is the best, and that's normal, that's good, healthy competition. You know, I can you know, simply say passionately, we feel our product is the best, and if it weren't the best, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Um, It's what drives us every day, you know, marketing is important and, you know, customer care is important and all those things are great. But if you don't have great product, all that other stuff doesn't matter. There's not enough money in the world to make your product popular if it's not actually good. And in our case, we think, you know, our product is better than the others. And, you know, the consumer has proven it. You know, we do events all over the world where we're, you know, placed next to our competitive set. And we're consistently chosen, you know, two out of three times, six out of 10, eight out of 10. And so, you know, the consumer speaks and they've told us, you know, we may not be the biggest. We may not have the most exposure. But, you know, when placed in front of the consumer, they feel ours is just a little bit better. And that's something that, you know, we're super proud of.
0: Uh, absolutely, you should be. It's This is a really competitive space. There is a seemingly limitless choices. That's how it feels. Uh, Do you, how much time do you worry about your competitors or do you worry about them at all?
1: So, you know, I would answer that two ways. We worry about them all day long because we're all fighting for the same consumer space. We're fighting for the same retail space. So we worry about them all day long. And on the flip side to talk out of the other side of my mouth, we don't worry about them at all because we got to do what we have to do. And if we do our thing, well, and we produce the best product and we make the best lenses and we take care of our customer properly, then we should rise to the top and we shouldn't have to worry about all the other noise out there. But of course, you know, that's also easy to say sitting here at my house. You gotta worry about both sides.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you, you use the worry about it as motivation to be better at your product for your customers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is you have to worry about what else is going on out there because someone will take your spot. But I also think, without sounding arrogant, you know, we take great pride in just putting out and developing and offering the best product. If there was no other competition, I still think we would want to make sure that our product was best in class. Um, You know, we wouldn't dumb it down if there were no competition, because we just take pride and that goes back to our hundred year heritage as a family business. You know, I I get excitement I get so much excitement when I walk down the street and see people wearing our product. That's, I think, what really drives us is we want it to be the best because I want to walk down Fifth Avenue here in New York and see people wearing Revo as opposed to the competition. Um, That's what keeps us going.
0: When you acquired Revo, what was the biggest surprise? Was it that retailers went, that's nice. Call us when uh, people start asking for it.
1: That was the biggest surprise. I mean, I really thought that on day one, day two, day three, we'd make a few hundred phone calls and we'd have a few hundred new customers. And, you know, I can now say here and laugh about it. You know, I think we had zero new customers the first few days out. Um, It very much was a huge shock of, God, I thought all these people, you know, were in love with what we were going to do. And like, again, they were very supportive, but, you know, they weren't about to put their money down until we did a little more to show them what we were all about.
0: They wanted to see that brand awareness. And so you got these um, celebrity ambassadors where they were very much believers in the product, and just did a killer website, a uh, these charitable efforts, which have you know, there's PR built into that. Uh, was Was that the recipe for brand awareness, or are there other pieces in there? I mean, yes,
1: I think certainly from 30,000 feet up from five thousand feet up, that is the recipe. When you get down in the weeds there's a lot more to it but you know in general in today's age and i'll go back to it first starts with the product the product has to be perfect and so the first thing we did was make sure that you know we offered the best product we offered the best lens we looked back at the dna of the brand and made sure that our product was second to none at the same time creating general brand awareness through athletes influencers ambassadors you know doing pr working with retailers to make sure that our product was front and center in the store. You know, there's no, it's not rocket science. Um, you know, it's really, this is what we needed to do is, you know, do the blocking and tackling of getting the consumer to remember, Hey, Revo is not only out there, but it's great. Um, and it never really went away, but maybe I wasn't really aware of what was going on. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. You know, here we are four years later and the work is by no means done we're continuing to increase brand awareness, continuing to seek out authentic and organic partnerships with ambassadors, partnerships and collaborations with other brands, additional retail presence. Um, Cause you know, as you know, there's a podcast every week. We got to put out content every day. Um, this is the world we live in. So our job is never done, but we're certainly a lot farther along than where we were in terms of generating excitement and brand awareness.
0: What's something you just can't live without? For this Shopify merchant, it's Zipify One Click Upsell. $10 of extra revenue on every single order, 30% increase for us in average order value. You can't live without it as a Shopify store owner. What would be a game changer for your business? For this merchant, it's a simple Shopify app. Zipify One Click Upsell. It's definitely a game changer. It's adding about $9 in extra revenue for every customer that we bring in. That's right. Our number one app that we've been using to help transform our business overall has been Hey, oh, were you listening to that? You really wanna hear about this life-changing Shopify app? Here it is. One-click upsell. It's gonna help you increase your average order value a lot and increase your profit from your hard work. Zipify one-click upsell can increase your Shopify revenue by 10 to 15% overnight. Created by the owner of a $155 million brand and trusted by over 11,000 Shopify merchants, One Click Upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross sells. It is no wonder One Click Upsell has made its users an extra $316 million in sales. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com/kurt. That's z-i-p-i-f-y.com/slash. K U R T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zippified.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Is that as you transitioned from manufacturing for other people to selling for yourself, is that the, the big skill that you had to learn? That tool set was like, a, how do we drive brand awareness?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in retrospect, and again, we had a little practice in the two failures I mentioned earlier, but I'd say that's the big, huge skill set transition that is still today by no means done that we had to learn and continue to learn every day. And I will say for all of you out there listening, you know, if you're not learning something new every day, shame on you. You know, I learned something new every day and we all need to be learning every day. Um, and so, yeah, that was the big learning is, you know, we were a licensee. We were not marketers. We, you know, lived off the, the, you know, hard work of others in terms of marketing and brand exposure. And our entire team had to quickly move from the mindset of, you know, I've got to get a retailer excited about what this brand is doing that we represent to I've got to get a retailer and a consumer excited about what we are doing. And it's very different to, you know, get a bunch of files and images from a designer who then says, this is how you use them to, Hey, we got to do the photo shoot. We got to make sure the image is right. We got to make sure the message that we're putting out there is the message we want. We gotta make sure that, you know, we are engaging and exciting the consumer. And it's a very different mindset and very different skill set than you know renting someone else's name and using their hard work to sell product to a traditional brick and mortar environment.
0: Yeah, suddenly you're entirely self-reliant and there's all these like soft skills and create very creative subjective skills where you have no idea what is and isn't gonna work until you put it out there.
1: Right. And like, you know, in our old business. If something didn't work, we blamed the licensor. We said, well, you know, their imagery wasn't good or they had a bad ad campaign that season or, you know, they didn't do a good job keeping the consumer engaged. You had a built-in excuse if you weren't successful. Today, there is no built-in excuse because we are soup to nuts. It's on us. If we're not successful, it's because of something we did. Um, Nobody else to blame, which is both super motivating, but, you know, also super challenging.
0: Coming to the end of our time together is the most important life lesson here continuing education self-improvement what is it
1: if you put it in those terms i certainly think self self self-improvement and continuing education is really important in business in your day-to-day business you know i think the other big lesson here is a work-life balance is super super important so you know yes you need to keep learning and improving every day but at the same time i think it's really important that you have a good healthy work-life balance Because I have found and I have many friends who've been through it, you know, if you work 24-7, that's not healthy. And part of your ability to learn and grow and you know continue to improve is to not be in your office or at your desk 24-7. You've got to have those, you know, outside pursuits, whether it's you know, you like sports or you know, food or travel or reading or whatever it may be. Because if you're just focusing on your business 24-7. you can't possibly have the bandwidth or motivation to keep up with that pace. It just doesn't work.
0: Absolutely. And even there is so much value in stepping away. Like uh, many of my, the those aha moments, those business insights came when I was just absolutely in a different state, not thinking about my business. Like once you, that context changes, so does your point of view and often your decision-making.
1: I very rarely have what we would call a breakthrough idea sitting at my desk. Those breakthrough oh, ideas, or those cool marketing ideas, or whatever it may be, you know, come when I'm traveling, having dinner, talking to friends, you know, sitting at the airport, you know, whatever it may be. But you know, less than five times out of ten, they come sitting at a desk.
0: <laughs> my my breakthrough moments don't come sitting at my desk. That's that's like the big big key takeaway yeah. for me. That really. <laughs> That is a that good one. Is, I like that a lot. Uh all right. I have two more questions for you. They're very easy. Sure. What's your favorite product that you've made?
1: Uh that's a great question. So, you know, I'm a big avid skier. And so at the risk of offending everyone, um, I really <laughs> love our goggles because they're just so amazing. And it gave me the opportunity to meet Bodie Miller and ski with him, which is, you know, a huge, huge, amazing, you know, honor. But i also have to say you know from a product standpoint our sunglass lens there's nothing like it um you know i wear a number of different sunglasses within our within our portfolio and our brand offering um i like our sports styles i like our lifestyle styles um but if i had to pick one thing you know i really just love our goggle so
0: Bodie miller uh a Olympian, a gold medalist. Were you able to keep up with this guy or did he go easy on you?
1: Oh, he went very easy on me. (laughs) We had a super fun time and Bodhi's a dad. He has a bunch of kids. I'm a dad. I have three kids. And one of the most fun moments we had with Bodhi on the slopes was he taught my daughter how to trip her older brother on skis, not while moving. Let's be clear. We want to be safe. But while standing still, he taught her how to trip her older brother without moving. And you know that was a fun takeaway for us that day.
0: <laughs> That's, i i hope she i hope they both remember and appreciate Bodie oh, yeah. Miller teaching totally. him how to whitewash your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was super uh, fun. We've got if if you need a new pair of Sunnies, yeah, you've got a discount code for us.
1: Yeah, um, we want to offer all of, current all of your fans out there. We like to give back, um, and we like to support those who are supporting us. So we kept it super simple. Come to Revo.com, use the code Kurt, K-U-R-T, keep it super simple and, you know, browse around, use our virtual try-on and take 20% off your next purchase, which you won't find on the website or anywhere else. So code name Kurt, 20% off at Revo.com and, you know, love to have you become part of our extended family and our extended community.
0: Uh, and I have, I have the Coopers, don't I? The NASA I don't remember which one astronaut, you have, but... which are the astronaut ones?
1: Yeah, you have a Conrad, I believe.
0: Conrad, thank you. The anchor.
1: astronaut one, and that's a great, great aviator. And that frame itself was designed after our first ambassador, Pete Conrad, who was the third man to walk on the moon. And for the fiftieth anniversary of the moon landing, which happened a year or two ago, um, we you know reintroduced the frame that he wore back in nineteen eighty five. Um, it's, it's you know people love it, and you know speaks to our heritage.
0: I love it. That's I picked them because I I liked that. Uh, that brand heritage and the story it sold me i think stories sell but this has been a fabulous story cliff robinson revo sunglasses thank you so much thank you kurt great to be here e-commerce marketing is changing. Email is no longer the only way to build relationships with customers. SMS is now the fastest growing sales channel for online brands. And if you haven't gotten started yet, I know what you might be thinking. My customers don't wanna receive text messages, or I don't think I could drive ROI with SMS. But here's the thing, SMS is where you find your best customers. You don't need to have thousands of SMS contacts to drive meaningful revenue. And merchants see up to a 250% increase in engagement and conversion rates when they pair email and SMS together. Text marketing is here to stay, my friends. And Privy is the fastest way to get started. Privy gives you access to all the tools you need to grow your SMS list and send money-making text messages. Plus, their full suite of website conversion and email marketing tools. And the cherry on top? get one-on-one coaching and support no matter where you start with Privy. Ready to get started or just learn more? Go check out Privy on the Shopify app store and see how you can get started for free today.